Thanks for listening to Fire the Cannon. We're part of the 1012 Network. A podcast network entirely focused on the Big 12 Conference. I'm here to stay. I'm not done. And can't nobody ever take that from me. Longhorn Nation, we're back! Hey, welcome back to another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Hannah. I'm Rocky. And I'm Megan. And we are Fire the Cannon. All right, welcome back, everybody. There's so much going on always. Texas football is kicking off. We have fall camp, scrimmages happening, coaches and players at press conferences. So we'll give you our thoughts on all of that. We are going to talk about the QB situation and who we think is going to play and when should Sark actually name a quarterback. We're going to give our four top college football playoff contenders who we think is in the final four and who wins it all this year, 2021. And then we have our fun, hot topics, rapid fire. We're going to go through the world of sports and entertainment and all the fun news happening, and that'll be a blast. So we'll give you our quick thoughts on those topics. But first, everybody wants to talk Texas football. Y'all, one week. We are one week away, and I'm freaking out. How about y'all? You ready? I'm pumped. Like, I don't know, a two-week mark jumped in, and it was like suddenly I was like, oh, my oh my God, y'all, we're, we're here. It's, it's happening. Here. We are Sam Ellinger <laughs> days away. <laughs> oh, I love him. Yeah, um, exciting times, and I feel like the next 10 days, it'll, uh, sorry, 11 days are going to fly by. So yeah. I hope so anyway, because yeah. I'm super well, it big. is time to already start laying out those game day outfits, making sure <laughs> your boots are shined and your you found your belts and find the matching earrings and start laying all that, all those cute outfits. And it's time. Y'all always show up looking cute as hell. And I spend this time panicking, like, are the beer sponsorships in order? Do, have I got everything scheduled to pick up? Oh, crap, we got to get food for 500 people. <laughs> oh, no, I'm like, I got to get the right orange glitter manicure, pedicure. <laughs> It's game day. I love it. And then just show the Megan's and drink. Yeah, you know, who we do. You know, I don't know, y'all. It's like 2.30 kickoff in Austin for the opener. Yeah. Insane. So, like, I'm just looking for something. Like, is there a T-shirt that has, like, a built-in, like, ice pack or, like, air conditioner? Like, a little, like, fan that hangs from your hat. I don't know how we survive February and anyone's ever going to complain about it being hot. I just, I mean, really? (laughs) Really? See, I'm fine with the cold. I'm fine with the cold. But, yeah, it is. DKR definitely gets blazing hot. So, I agree. I, I much prefer those, like, afternoon, evening 7 p.m. kickoffs, but yeah, I mean, at least it's not 11 a.m. for the first game. I'm I'm good with that. I was just gonna say, normally, like we don't get anything earlier than like six until like middle October. Yeah, yeah. normally our early games are broadcast on LHN, and I think there's a lot more interest in this Texas and Louisiana home opener. Top so, 25, yeah, matchup. top 25 matchup. There's a lot on the line. New coaching, you know, Louisiana's coming in hot. They got something to prove, you know, Texas is coming in with, with a big chip on their shoulders. So, yeah, I think that's part of what played into this earlier game, you know, cause there's some of these like crazy national top five matchups for kickoff. Hell, I think Georgia and Georgia Clemson are, Clemson. yeah. So, yeah. so I understand not, not wanting to compete with that, but definitely two thirty. it, it going to be hot. It's going to be hot. There is is college (laughs) football this weekend. That's kind of exciting. Nebraska, Illinois, and a bunch of terrible teams, but we'll still watch them all. (laughs) We'll happily take it. We'll happily take it. I'll watch UConn, Fresno State. Sure. Man, I I really am. Some of y'all know I have one of my very best friends is a big Husker and uh, one of my favorite humans in the world. And they can, you know, Husker fans can certainly identify with Texas fans right now, whether they like us or not, they can identify with the pain that we've, we've been going through. And I'm really curious to see, like, I know Scott Frost has a lot more leash and leeway than any other coach would have at Nebraska, but man, you got to think this is a year that 
something has to turn around. Illinois yeah. is on the rise. So I could see Illinois waking, giving them a wake up call. It's going to be crazy. It's yeah. going to be crazy for sure. All right. So we have Texas football, right? So the camp's been happening. Pr- players are talking. Coaches are talking. We've heard um, some great feedback from the scrimmages. Okay. Scrimmage won a couple Saturdays ago. Defense dominated. That was all the talk, which is exciting for the defense we're going to have, but it made you wonder what was happening with the offense. We, you know, they said the quarterbacks weren't moving the ball, the wide receivers were dropping, it just wasn't moving. And then a complete switch in scrimmage two. All we heard was QBs were on fire, moving the ball, wide receivers making crazy. Uh, Ty Money even went up, climbed the ladder, Ty went up. Money. <laughs> Ty Money. Money. Josh Moore, MVP of the second scrimmage. Thoughts? What are you guys excited about after feedback from two scrimmages? Megan, were you at the live, uh, the live one or the in-person, the open practice thing? Yeah, I was at the open practice, which okay, very different feel than a scrimmage, right? And right, yeah, for sure. We touched on this a little bit on our on our segment when we were on the Wagner Wire uh, on the Horn, for sure. Uh, but for me, what I saw with my own eyes in the open practice, I felt like the QBs were definitely kind of releasing late, releasing low. There were a lot of issues. I was really concerned about it, right? Yeah. But they followed that up immediately with this second scrimmage that Rocky was talking about where the QBs shined. So, uh, you know, I think there's still a lot of development My big concern here with the quarterbacks is that we are a week away, essentially, from from kickoff, and we're still going back and forth on this, and there still are some cleanup issues. For sure. The reason I brought up the open practice, though, is because, like, the first practice, the QBs were down, and then they were up, and then we've got the open practice, which, you know, the fans can see with their own eyeballs, and it's like – there's consistency issues, and that is alarming, and we still haven't named a QB – do you think Sarkeesian is going to name one before game day? Yeah, I mean, he's Whether got be to, right? Like, well, no, I mean, he can announce he it to tell us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, like, uh, okay, so he has to tell the team, obviously. The team will know. But, like, do you think he'll make it known to the public as to keep kind of uh, Louisiana on their toes, like, or on their heels, rather? Why, me- why not make them have to prepare for both until the last minute? I mean, that, exactly, that's what I'm team. saying. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. Yeah. He has the advantage there to not have to tell them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do. I think that's a smart strategy at this point. Um, if we don't have the clear leader to, to anybody going into this, right? We don't have the clear leader at this point. Why not like make them study twice as much film? And, you know, the other part of that too is in a way, we're already at the advantage because no matter who wins out, there isn't a whole lot of film. Obviously, Casey has more film playing for Texas. Still a small sample size, right? And Hudson, you don't really have anything to go on other than what's been broadcast on LHN from open practice or what's been talked about and what he did in high school. So, yeah, I mean, while I agree, there is definitely that advantage of, of keeping them on their toes. I don't know that it is an exponentially huge advantage just given where how little film there is on both quarterbacks at this point anyway. That's so, fair. Well, for thought, for thought in that right. Sense. And what film they do have on Casey is a different offensive coordinator, different head coach, different system. So other than try, trying to figure out some of his tendencies, which could have been coached out or coached up by now, right. um, that they they could but you know does Louisiana have the advantage of a third year starter so they're they could have the advantage of quarterback we'll see but let's listen to Steve Sarkeesian he talked about the quarterback's development over the last week at camp and how they played at the scrimmage the first three days coming off the scrimmage um you know Monday Tuesday and Wednesday Thursday maybe a little maybe a little spotty not quite where I wanted it uh, came back and had a, a really good, crisp, clean practice yesterday. And then they both went out and performed pretty well from the naked eye uh, today. I uh, thought they took care of the ball. I uh, thought our tempo was better offensively, which is a lot on them of controlling that tempo, whether we're you know, using shifts and motions, whether we were trying to go fast, whatever that is, they control it on the field. And I thought they got completions. And that's Half of the key to the drill in our system is getting completions, right? Um, we, we have to be able to get the ball to our players in space, allow them to make plays. And then when the opportunity presents itself, take those shots, but take the shots with being accurate. And uh, I thought they did that today, but they'd really been doing it all week. And that's, that's the positive sign. 
All right, improvement. So I wonder, did did Coach K draw like draw back the defense a little bit? Was he sending the hounds on them last week and then drew it back a little bit so that the quarterbacks could have a little bit of success? Or was this a legit jump because they've had another week under the system with more timing with the receivers? Yeah, well, well, I think that's a very valid question. I don't see Coach K being the guy that's going to be like, all right, let's ease up a little bit, right? It, it seems to me that this whole system is built on balls out all the time, bring everything you got, right? The all gas, no breaks. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't, I, I will take that as encouraging when you put it in that light. I don't mm-hmm. think the defense has been letting up at all. And by all accounts, our defense is way ahead of where the offense has been. Oh. They've, been they've, right. they've picked up this system really quickly. So for me, it's encouraging to hear that. Yes, the offense is starting to click, starting to figure it out. Don't love that. Again, we're a couple weeks, a week before, you know, our first kickoff that we're starting to get those reports. Would have loved to hear it a few weeks back, but it is what it is. You know, this offense seems like it's starting to click and that both of the quarterbacks are picking up. So I will take that as positive, encouraging news. Absolutely. I let's, let's just hope and pray that we get the same or or similar reports uh, the rest of the week. I will feel much better this time a week from now if, if they like finish strong or had like a whole entire strong week of practices. So we'll see. All right. So what else did we hear good out of the scrimmages? I have a note here, Jonathan Brooks, freshman running back. Um, we know we have Bijan and we know we have Rojo, but it's really nice to hear the depth being built. So Jonathan Brooks coming in, he's had really good scrimmages. And also I'm kind of excited about, uh, Blake Gideon 2.0, <laughs> which is Brendan Schooler. So, um, yeah. you know, he can't use a transfer. He's like 10th year playing college football. And he was a wide receiver. 30 year old man yeah. out there on the field. Yeah. And, and he's an athlete and a baller. And he got a little bit of a few moments last year. You know, he stepped up to play defense. And now the word is out that he is really, really playing well. And he's just an athlete and a baller. And I'm kind of excited. Blake Gideon coaching the safeties. Uh, Terry Joseph is actually coming through. The DBs are improving. So I'm excited to see what Brendan Schooler does. Yeah, I, I love that. So I agree. Schooler's exciting to watch. I'm excited to see what he is bringing. Um, you know, I where we came from a position early in this preseason, we're worried about our LBs. We're worried about that, you know, the center secondary. I don't think that's really a problem anymore. The development that has come through has been a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Now, again, we could show up on game day and it all gets blown to hell, but so far so good. Right. I think that's been something that I'm excited to see is the play there. So there's a lot of chatter right now about Luke Brockermeyer and yeah. how he's really exploded onto the scene and it's kind of like taking everybody by surprise. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's his job over overshone, but he's making things interesting. Well, I think he's on the other yeah. side. So you can have them both out there. That would be nice. Yeah, that would be. And, you know, I've got to say this. It seems uh, to me like like Luke might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, given that both his brothers decided to head to Alabama despite the legacy. So I think he might have a little bit to prove, right, at this Texas team and yeah. make his mom and daddy proud of that that Texas Longhorn decision. I like when, you know, the, the legacy, there's something to be said about that, wanting to represent the school that your family went to, but also the university trust that maybe if, even though he wasn't fully developed and ready to go out of senior year of high school, you know, they take a chance on him and develop him up and he gets the opportunity to grow into that kind of, skill that they trust he must genetically have but yeah you know, like the genetics plus growing up in a football family at that level right um so he gets an opportunity to not be capped out at what his high school you know tape shows but he gets to grow into it and look he's shining now and he's going to get playing time well and I think that's a good point Rocky I of course we all know that the NFL draft picks the past few years <clears throat> decade <clears throat> have not been fantastic right we've, we've had a drought um, and I think the running joke with the NFL now is that you know that you can steal a Texas player with a ton of talent for basically nothing and you're going to get a hell of a player mm-hmm. perhaps because the coaching wasn't there before or they didn't have the wins or the you know the what they wanted on tape to really justify the higher draft rounds but I think Brockermeyer is going to be an excellent example and maybe a case study of that kind of shifting for Texas, right? Mm-hmm. We get a kid that comes in that's got the the legacy, got the talent, but definitely has some development to go. And so far, we're seeing that this coaching staff 
is actually developing the players. So for me, that's a close storyline to watch over the next few years to really see is can Brockermeyer be the player that is the shining example of hell yeah, here's a, a, a glaring example of how this staff can turn around a player and develop him and really elevate your draft pick, right? Elevate yeah, your, your chances. So I think that's going to be fun to watch. Now, I will say I'm worried about our wide receivers. You know, this was an area that we thought we were covered. We thought we did well. Joshua Moore, super excited to watch him. And by all accounts, he is really picking it up, taking that leadership role and doing well. But we've got some injuries. We've got uh, Amari just came up with a leg injury. So some question there. And it seems as we've gone through this, this preseason there's been a little bit of tapering off as far as just the the guys being out there and showing out every day. Are y'all hearing the same thing? Yes, there is an issue with wide receiver. And even Sarkeesian mentioned when he first got here, it was an overflow of wide receivers. And now they're actually dwindling down for multiple reasons. But the only reason I'm not hitting the panic button just yet is because of the tight end room. And, you know, with Burr, his experience, Jared Wiley, and now we're hearing all about Juan Davis. Like the, even the freshmen right. are stepping up. Not that we're going to depend on a freshman tight end, but to know that they're starting to build depth at tight end. And look what Iowa State did last year with tight ends. Look what other schools do when they feature tight ends. Even AM can feature a tight end. And there you can have these schools where the tight ends are actually leading receivers. And I think that's a powerful thing that Sarkeesian's not scared to Go ahead and put those bodies out there. And then that helps them be even more multiple on offense when they're not expecting that same receiver to run that same route, which we had last year. Right. <laughs> well, and, and to that right. point, Texas has had the most success when we utilize our big tight ends, when we do well, look at our championship teams, look mm. at our 08, 09 teams, right. you know, we, we use our big, powerful tight ends and Sarkeesian has come out and said, running is going to be important. And the serve the, the, Running backs are, are definitely going to be featured. We want Bijan to get 20, 21, 25 carries a game, maybe 30, maybe a little less, right? But in Sarkeesian's system, the wide receivers are going to play a huge role in the distraction, giving him, you know, so that the defense doesn't cheat on, on Bijan. So we need the wide receivers to step up. But the tight ends play that role too. Make those spaces, like hit those blocks, make the spaces, be the hands that can also be a threat you know, for receiving to give that cushion and to give that respect for the, the, the running back game. Too. Right. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's going to, the tight ends are going to play a big role. I, I, I love the enthusiasm saying that, <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Well, I'm not hitting the panic button. No, that's fair. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. I didn't say we're all, we're all good. Fair I said point. I'm not going to completely <laughs> panic. I'm not going to run in the streets yet that we have no wide receiver. Yeah, Hannah, Hannah, what's your take on the wide receiver situation right now? Um, Yeah, kind of echoing what you were saying. Um, So Steve Sarkeesian's scheme is not the simplest. It's beautiful. It gives a lot of options, like in the moment options. And so... The, from what it sounds like, a lot of the question marks are just like the inconsistencies from the quarterbacks can actually be somewhat contributed to the, the receivers and that they're not quite catching on to like the nuances of this new system or whatever. So maybe it's one of those things like there's an aha moment and somebody just like breaks like breaks off and and explodes and shines. I don't know. Again, y'all brought up a great point with the tight end room. We've got mega talent there. We've got experience there. There's no, I mean, it's going to work. They have uh, tricks up their sleeve. They've got a plan. Something's going to happen. We're going to be fine. Yeah. So I've heard um, some people talking and I, I wish I could give credit to who said this. I don't remember who said this, but they were saying that the one of the reasons the wide receivers may have been struggling is one, the quarterbacks go back and forth one and two, one and two mm -hmm. every day. But also because this is the first time they've been able to, instead of being told, run this route, run this route. Now they can yeah. be now they can make more decisions on their own. And that kind of freedom you know, if, if they've been tied to having to choose, having to run what they're told and now getting to choose, that can take a little while to build up that confidence and experience in doing that. And yeah. I wish I could credit who, who said that, because that's a really great point. Like, um, it's just a new way. And, and until it clicks that there's going to be a little lag in that, like being free and just going with that freedom. They're still unsure of themselves as players and like their ability. So well, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't right, say they're not like, sure of their ability. I, I, I would say that they're... No, their ability, their, like, their mental, like, to... 
like the yes. coaches trust them yeah, to the decide in the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I see. We talked okay. offense and defense a little bit. What about Dicker the kicker doing everything? <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> I'm going to let y'all chime in on this. And then I definitely have some thoughts, uh, have, have talked to some folks about it, but I, I'm, I'd love to hear what y'all are thinking first. Hannah, what, what are you, where are you at with Dicker being a serviceable for everything? Being the everything kicker. Uh, you know what? If he does it well, why not? And he has a fun time doing it. Like, why not give NFL scouts like, other reasons to like him, you know what I mean? And to shine. So <laughs> I just worry about the fatigue. They had talked in the press yeah. conference about um, just his, the, the amount of kicks his body should take in a week or over a season. Each one is, you know, physically and mentally exhausting. And to put that kind of pressure, where he has to stay completely in tune in the game all three hours, all week, and then physically have to do that. I worry that that's taxing. I'm sure he would love to take it on and have a blast, but I worry that the longevity, but he's so talented. So I guess what he feels is best for him as a player. Yeah. So I know for sure he is loving playing all around kicker for everything. Like he hit just his personality. He is soaking it up. Like, you know, his mama has said uh, he loves it. Bring on the challenge. He's enjoying it. He's out there having a blast, which I will say this for Dicker, but this applies to the whole team. I think he is at his best when he is having a good time, right? That's such right. a simple, <laughs> silly thing to say, like a duh moment, right? But I feel that our teams haven't had a lot of fun in certain scenarios recently. And that mm. tends to snowball, right? That has a mental effect. So in that sense, I think Dicker's soaking it up and he's loving it. I agree with you, Rocky. I do worry about fatigue. Um you know, if this were a different situation uh, under the previous coaching staff, we worried some of the decisions that were made on when to be aggressive and when not for the trick plays with the kickers Mm. got us into some bad situations. And again, we're not going to beat that dead horse, like you said, but it bears mentioning, right? So I have a little bit of PTSD and I worry for Dicker in that sense, but I'm also 100% confident that this coaching staff is not going to put him in a position to, to get hurt because of a decision they're making. Now, I will also say Dicker is a very enthusiastic player. So I do need him to like, just keep that in mind and play smart, play safe. Um, and one extra note, I really do. I'm loving Isaac Pearson, the, the new guy in from Australia, watching him in open practice, man, he was booting him. I mean, oh, good. I love boo. Don't get me wrong. I worry about him coming off the injury, but Isaac was coming out there and just throw, I mean, it really was, and I hate to say this, but it was Michael Dixon reminiscent. Yeah. (laughs) Like I got those chills, those vibes watching some of these kicks. Now, again, there were a couple kicks that were crazy far, crazy hard and definitely out of bounds, (laughs) but I I think Isaac's going to be a guy to watch. I think he, he can be really, really beneficial for this team early on. Uh, as a newer player. So maybe give Dicker a little bit of reprieve there too. That would and be nice. I, I'm going to say that I think Isaac's going to take the job from Boo by the end of the year. That's that's my thought. But if it's yeah. Boo's job. Right. <laughs> if it's Boo's job to take, yeah. You know, <laughs> speaking of special teams, I think that this is one of the strongest, if not the strongest, like unit maybe on the whole team, other than maybe the de- defensive line. They're coached well. It's going to be lights out. Like I've heard from other sources that like that's what teams are going to be concerned over is like our special teams play. So I love it. I love it. And that's the Gideon effect, right? Mm -hmm. Gideon coming in and being excited to coach for Texas. And he's a beast, man. I, I, I am hesitant to buy into that just yet just because i feel the ones that well, just banks shy, too, though, so right but i but i love hearing that and i will be cautiously optimistic and hope that that's how it plays out because we all know the special teams are what changes the momentum of the game yes. period okay if i had to put the over under on punt or kick returns for deshaun jameson this year at three like oh, back for a, yeah like, punt or kick return for, a return touchdown. for touchdowns okay over under three touchdown not to the five not to the ten touchdown if i put it for the whole season punt return or kick return um over under three i'm gonna say under but he's gonna have a lot of really incredible runbacks okay 
I'm going to say under, I'll put him at maybe two because I think we're going to see some other guys get some chance back in the back. (laughs) To Rocky, proceed to, you? so um, I would say two. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're all under. Yeah. Under. Okay. <laughs> any other any other players or coaching staff or anyone that you really want to highlight before we move to more national talk? Well, I think again, I'm going to stick with the, the kicker. Right. <laughs> I'm 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 excited to see Dicker uh, how he works out, and I really want to see the Aussie come out and just wreck shop. I like Australians kicking for us. That's that's that gives me. It good seems point. to be a good Once they can learn to yeah. translate that different <laughs> ball and use of the foot. Um, it's they're they're golden. They're so good. Hannah, I was going to say that that seems to be like a, a marriage made in heaven with Texas and Australia. So direct recruiting line. Oh, yeah. right. I, have, right. I, have, I have one more player I want to mention before we move on. Alfred Collins. Yeah, yeah, he is getting um, national attention. He moved to DN because he's such a freaking, freaking, freak athletic human. Like, I'm so excited to see that they're finding a way to put him on the field. They're finding a way to get their best players out there. And he's willing to, you know, really challenge himself physically. So I'm excited. And that, that we'll be looking for, we'll be looking for him. Yeah, all right. What other player? I'm going to go on. Jump. Sorry. Yes. No, Just came ahead. Hayden Connor, I think he is going to be a rising star. I think he gets it on all levels. The kid is smart as hell. He's physical. He's big. He's making great decisions. And and he's looking really good at that OT position. So I think he's another one to really keep an eye on. And I think he could be a huge help to Texas and a big name that people really appreciate at the end. Yeah, bye, stop now. Bye, stop now. Bye, definitely bye. Bye. All right. (laughs) Speaking of buying stock, who are we buying stock in on the national level? Next week, we'll talk all about Texas again, break down Louisiana game and really get into the season for Texas. But today, nationally, who do you have as your four teams? First, we'll just say our four going to the college football playoffs this year, 2021. How about let's go with uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Alabama. The, the the general, the generic, the same. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Rocky, what are your thoughts? I have Bama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson. God damn it, y'all. All right. <laughs> Listen, I have basically the same thing, but with the caveat of Clemson or Georgia, whoever wins that first game, because again, Georgia plays Clemson. At right. Georgia for that first game, I think that's well, going to decide. I think they're in a neutral site in North Carolina. Neutral? Yeah, they're playing neutral. Even better. Yeah, it's yeah, but it's still close to. Close, yeah. yeah. So I think whoever takes that game is going to take that spot in my my rotation, right? So Bama, o- uh, Ohio State, OU. As much as it pains me to say, oh, they'll be there. Yeah, and and then uh, the winner of Georgia Clemson. If you have Georgia, so you have them beating Florida regular season, and then you have them playing in the SEC championship with Alabama and barely losing. Doesn't matter. So that they're still legit. They still get the SEC bump. Hannah, what do you got? My thing is, though, is that have you looked at Clemson's schedule this year? Nothing it's, except that one yeah, game. They, 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 I, don't, I don't see them dropping to anybody else. Mm-mm. Like, it's going to be Georgia – like. I don't see them turning down a one loss, even to, to, to Georgia. That's your one loss. And it was the first game of the season. I don't see if they went out, I don't see them not making it, you know, see I, where I will argue that is again, I think the power of the sec is always on everybody's mind and the bump goes there. I think we're seeing like more, and more <laughs> that strength of schedule is playing into things. Yes. I agree that Clemson is an incredible team, but they're also, They've got a new quarterback that they're breaking in. They've got a lot of changes. Um, and I again, I agree that that first game against Georgia is going to be very telling. And then it's pretty smooth sailing for them after that. But I still see Clemson maybe dropping a game or having a closer call than they should later in the season. Now, that being said, where I'm coming in with Georgia is if they come out and they dominate Clemson and look good, and then, yeah, they run that gauntlet really tough sec schedule i still think they get that bump if they play a squeaker and lose to alabama for the sec championship i still think clemson gets a nod or excuse me georgia gets the nod over clemson if georgia had beat clemson at the beginning of the season that's Mm -hmm. kind of where my head's at with that so it's suddenly kind of a a similar situation to what we saw last year with a&m like making a really strong statement 
for right. the playoffs. And uh, they chose Notre Dame instead. And it's because they felt that the body of work, and there's that term again, like it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be a toss up if, if that situation plays out. So agree. All right. Who do you have winning it all, Hannah? Alabama with an asterisk because uh, they're just so deep. Uh, yeah. They're breaking in a new quarterback also. They're just so deep everywhere and they're just a machine, but like, I don't know, this year is the first year in a while. It's like, Oh, it could go a a couple of different ways. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say, Oh God, help me here. I'm going to go. OU. what I'm going to go. OU. y'all. I'm sorry. I hate being this person. And it's like, I now I need to like douse my mouth out with Lysol and swig some bleach, but I think OU is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're going to be pissed. They are. And this is one of the better OU teams than we've seen in a long time. And OU has been a talented goddamn team for a long time. I think when Riley coaches them up. And I think that OU has got something to prove, just like Texas, with that SEC announcement. They're going to show up. Um, Couple that with the fact that the Big 12 isn't, a super strong conference right now. So OU's got some tough games early. Iowa State's always going to be a challenge. The Texas game, of course, is going to be a challenge. But I think that with those off of their schedule, like looking past those two, they're going to do all right, and they're going to be blowing teams out. So, yeah, I got to say Oklahoma, and now I feel dirty. Rocky, how about you? You should shower now. (laughs) We're going to pause so Megan can go clean her mouth out with soap. Until Bama doesn't win it, it's going to be Bama. They still have nothing but five stars. They've been waiting years to play. Um, I have to say Alabama. I do have OU playing Bama in the championship game. I just think Bama's – I mean, yes, OU has gotten more physical over the years. I just – I just – until Bama doesn't win it, I'm going to say Alabama. So I have them winning – the championship. Yeah, okay. I like and I like that take. The the one thing that I'm going to arrogantly say is, well, we've got the coach that really helped Alabama build that offensive powerhouse. So, take him out of it. I know Nick Saban builds a machine. We get it. But I'm I'm going to cling on to that and hopefully hopefully OU isn't even in it cuz we run the table, but realistically speaking, ideally. But <laughs> All right. Well, now we all feel dirty. So yeah, there, there's our hot takes on the hot. <laughs> Megan. Megan ruined that segment by picking. Oh, yeah. I'm the worst. Sorry, I'm sorry. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go. We have rapid fire questions. Yay! Rapid fire. This is so fun. So I have ten questions. Each one you get one minute. We're gonna wrap it up in a minute. And just your immediate thoughts and and uh, on these questions. Mm. They're more like just statements for Megan. <laughs> to give their opinions all right so these are from around the world of sports slash just around the world all right ready number one aaron Rodgers says he wants to host jeopardy so far they're lying it lining it all up for mayim bialik you know um yeah and the big bang right everybody knows her um they're trying to line it up where she can be the permanent uh, host but Aaron Rodgers is like really pushing for it and saying he'd even work around his football schedule to be the host. He co-hosted in April. And what do you think? Should Aaron Rodgers be the host of Jeopardy? I hope that y'all can actually hear my eyes rolling <laughs> over this podcast, because I think that is the dumbest shit ever. I, to me, it is definitely the like super celebrity sports guy thinking that he can do everything. I don't, uh, I'm sure he'll get it because he is, the super sports celebrity and clearly doesn't want to be in green Bay anymore. Anyways, I think she should, because she is actually incredibly intelligent. She is a scientist. It would be awesome. I'm rolling my eyes. I think it's stupid. Do I think it will happen? Probably. Do I hate the idea of it? Absolutely. Why would he want to do that? Like, why does he want to retire from football someday? And host Jeopardy like forever. Like what that doesn't even like sound like something he would even want to do or be interested in. And then two, I have no idea how he did when he co-hosted. So I mean I whatever, dude, do you, you do you. <laughs> Apparently they only record 46 days a year. So if you can get millions and millions of dollars and only work 46 days a year to host your favorite show ever, okay, I'll do it. But I don't think <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is the right fan. Okay, yeah. moving on. 
Starting next Monday, Monday, LHN is airing a three-part documentary behind the scenes of the Rose Bowl. VY announced it. Now it's in national news. Are you watching and what are you hoping to find out from behind the scenes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm watching it. Um, what I'm hoping to find out, I don't know. I guess I'll, when I figure out what I'm hoping to find out, it's when I'll find it out. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo that. Yes, I'm going to watch. Of course, I'm going to watch. Am I going to do so begrudgingly? Yeah, a little bit. Because I, look, I was at the game. I love it. We have beat this horse to death. I I love living it. Greatest college football game ever played. Zero question. I think it makes for a really interesting story. And if we can learn new things about behind the scene, I'm all for it. But at the same time, I've got a little bit of like, my God, guys, can we, can we, let's build something for the future. I don't want to say move on. I think we should always celebrate that team. I think a lot can be learned from that team. But at this point, it just feels sad. Like, I feel like we're the fat 45-year-old that would peaked in high school that is going to talk about his glory days over and over and over again. That's what it feels like to me at this point. I'm just happy that we have color video footage of the last time (laughs) we won a national championship. That's true. So if you don't have color video footage of the last time you won a national championship, I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) And real and and players that are still alive from Rocky knows best. I love it. (laughs) And players that are still alive to talk about it. Yes. Yeah, we (laughs) have people who were alive who saw it. Okay, so (laughs) speaking of talking shit. (laughs) Shakari Richardson right we talked about her when we did our Olympic talk and she everybody knows she was the track star with the wild fun hair and nails and she well she made the Olympic team but then got cut because she failed her her weed test right we (laughs) talked about that Uh, so here she is she made her big return to pro track sports racing and she came in last and here she is you know it's all good this is one race I'm not done you know what I'm capable of count me out if you want to talk all the shit you want because I'm here to stay I'm not done I'm the sixth fastest woman in this game ever and can't nobody ever take that from me okay thoughts was that the way you handle that I'm gonna just pause for a hot minute look I respect the hell out of her I understand she's an incredible athlete, but you just got your ass beat. I don't know that that is how you come back. Like, I, I appreciate you got to have swag. You got to have confidence. And like, that's how you're going to come back and, and excel and win. But man, she got lit up by the Jamaican women. Like she came in dead ass last. So to me, that clip should have ended after about three seconds where she said, I'm not done yet. Boom. You're good. Leave it at that. Other than that, you just look foolish in my opinion, but you know, here I am. I mean, she could whoop my ass any day. So I don't know, man. How much, how much do you think it was like her just thinking she is like all that in a bag of chips versus like just trying to save face? I don't know. I mean, I think you've got it. She's fast as shit. There's no question. You know, I'm the sixth fastest woman in the world right now. And you can't take that away. I, I don't disagree with that. She's an incredible athlete and you've got to have that swagger to compete on that level. I just, and, and I will also credit, this is clearly right after the heat, right. Mm-hmm. And right after the race, she's amped up. Like she's got the adrenaline flowing. We don't always think clearly about what we're saying at those moments, but I mean, is it her being cocky? Yeah, a little bit, but I don't have a problem with that. I more have a problem with you just came in dead ass last. Maybe let's reflect a little bit before popping off (laughs) I don't yeah I I don't have any problem with her being confident and even a little bit cocky I just think she was disrespectful um not because she used a bad word I don't care about that just kind of the attitude was like she just didn't own it that she that was that run was not a good run and tomorrow she could probably go run as fast as the world but that run was not a good run and she was mad at us for an saying that it wasn't a good run but whatever good for her i hope she gets back i hope she's fast again all right moving on big 10 big 10 pac 12 acc announced an alliance um what does that do for the abandoned eight or what did you call them the orphaned eight the orphaned eight the orphaned eight which is the big 12 teams that have nowhere to go 
uh, I think it spells doom and gloom for a lot of them, right? Um, I think there may be two, maybe three of the orphaned eight that are going to find homes in those remaining conferences. Um, but I certainly think time is of the essence. Now, I think it will be interesting to see when these announcements are made and the alignments are made between Pac-12, ACC, and uh, Big Ten, I think we're going to see some announcements that do pertain to the Orphan 8 to play into that, right? Because you're starting to have to work on the schedules. Pac-12 is going to have to pull back on their in-conference play, you know, their schedule there to add these other games in. So, yeah, I, I think we are going to see some rapid development, but I think there's going to be a majority of the orphaned eight left out in the cold and all oh, doesn't my heart just break for poor little Baylor. Oh, no. <laughs> Heavy nope. sarcasm in case that's not translating well. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, what do you think? Yeah, I think that there's a reason that Big 12 is not involved. And it's because I think these conferences have to some degree, we don't know yet, kind of plans for what's going to happen there. But I think it's safe to say that the Big 12 is, it's about, it's done. Which Bye-bye. is great for Texas and OU's yeah. buyout fees. So we're just watching, watching us just slide into 2022 in the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there have been some comments coming out of the effects of the, that the Alliance will have on the Big 12 and Phillips, who is the commissioner for the ACC has basically said, we all want and need the Big 12 to do well. That's a pretty interesting statement coming from him. So want and need the Big 12 to do well, but aren't going to do anything to help them or want and need the Big 12 to do well because we already know the teams that we're taking. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to play out here in the next few days. 670, the score in Chicago is saying, this is their report. OSU and KSU are going to the Pac-12. West Virginia is going to the ACC. KU and Iowa State to the Big Ten. Those are all good fits. Let's see where they go. Yeah, we'll figure it Why out. Why the heck is the Pac-12 taking Kansas State? That, just, that doesn't seem like a good fit. I don't understand. They're more of a Big Ten fit. Yeah, I would say Big Ten fit, but Kansas is a better Big Ten fit for basketball. and Oh, clearly. Why not take them both as a package deal? Yeah, I, I would say, I'm not, I would, I know. if I'm Big Ten, I'd take Iowa State because they, <laughs> they're academically strong also. And uh, they've got a hot football program right now. And, and geographically, it's a natural fit to go with Kansas. So, yeah, it's a, it is an interesting alignment. We'll see how that plays out for sure. All right, moving on. After two weeks of preseason NFL, how's your team? <laughs> Listen, Texans are, are going to the Super Bowl right now. Listen, I don't. For me, Rocky and I, this is probably the most heated debate Rocky and I have ever gotten into is over NFL preseason. I don't care. I And, and again, I will speak my truth from this being just my teams are God awful and have always proven themselves to be God awful. And if there is a way to fuck up, they will find that way to fuck up. So I don't care how great we look in preseason. Like my Lions are 0-3. My Texans are 3-0, I think, in preseason. So to me, that means nothing because I know how terrible my teams will be in the actual season when things <laughs> count for things. So, you know, there's my take, my hot take. I'm just bitter and angry until they prove me otherwise. Your Lions went 4-0 <laughs> in the preseason and then 0-16 in yeah, the regular yeah, season. Like, yeah. no one's ever done that. Yeah. Like, again, <laughs> I, ha- I put zero, zero weight into preseason because I have been burned so many times. So, yeah, zero. All right, seven. Hannah? You don't really have an NFL team. I don't really have an NFL team. I might adopt or adopt the Indianapolis Colts though, because Sammy, Sammy. and he, he's 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 done well, and I, I hope that maybe like that does translate into some playing time in the regular season that he continues to do well and grow in that system and go for yeah. it. Pick a team. That's awesome. Now <laughs> you have to be emotionally invested on Sundays and Mondays and sometimes Thursdays. <laughs> and now yeah. we expect full-on pouting outbursts anytime Indianapolis does not do well. So we're all division rivals now. <laughs> <laughs> right? That works. That works. Um, so based off preseason, I would say my Titans are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, moving uh, on. <laughs> Who's crazier? People who are taking ivermectin for the COVID or people who are stacking crates and trying to cross over. Oh, my that. God. Oh, man. Are you going to make medicine? me have a COVID conversation just given my past week <laughs> on Twitter? 
girl, that's just me. No, just who's, who's crazier? <laughs> the people who are taking horse medicine for COVID. Sheep, sheep dewormer. Yeah. yeah. Or crate, stacking crates and then breaking their back. Can I say they're both oh. idiots? Like I... <laughs> It's it's literally sheep dewormer. I, I have grandparents that use that on their herds. So uh, yeah, I'm going to say both. Both are equally insane. Are we sure they're not the same people? <laughs> From the videos, they look like different people. <laughs> well, but you know. Yeah. Who do you think's crazier, Hannah? At least watching the crate people is entertaining. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. Crazy or physically cheap dewormers <laughs> because at least I'm benefiting from the crate people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where people are getting all those crates. All right. Anyway, moving on. That's Rocky's main concern. <laughs> where no, are no, you getting you have to answer this question? Oh, she's like, I, I think, need some crates. I think the crate stacking people are crazier because at least the ivermectin people are secretly doing at home. Hey everybody, look, I broke my back. <laughs> I don't know. God. All right. ESPN. They always do their top list, right? <laughs> they did their bottom. The worst teams in college football this year. The number one worst team in college football, Kansas University. Yeah, oh, Because they were 0-9 last year, and they shouldn't be any better this year. Yeah, that checks out. I, I agree That's with that sad. wholeheartedly. And I, I know we're going to get our Sooner followers jumping in. And, oh, thanks a lot. Different team. Doesn't matter. You just lost less miles who was sucking it up anyway. Like... Yeah, Kansas is forever. Just, just get rid of the football program and live on basketball. Just be basketball. I just that's how I feel about it. Golly. Anyone else you think should be the worst, or that's a good legit worst? It's sad that the worst is a Power Five school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's not even like a UTEP who was really bad last year. Or they're you know, in the top. They're in the bottom ten. <laughs> yeah. So Kansas is worse than UTEP. Let that yeah, I would, I would, I would buy that but, all day long. I would, I would pick UTEP to win by at least a touchdown. Agreed. Agreed. Jeez. Oosh. 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 Okay. This year, so far, ACL, Austin City Limits, has announced you're going to need a vaccine or, ne- or current negative COVID test to come to the ACL Fest. And now schools, today was LSU, Oregon, Oregon State, Tulane, all these schools are saying to come to our football games, you're going to need vaccine proof or a negative test. What are your thoughts? I think it's a good theory. It's good in theory. Like I like, I love the idea. I don't know how this is going to like, how, how is this going to actually play out? You know what I mean? Process. It's going to be a madhouse. Uh, I think there are ways given how the protocols that were put in place last year, I think the system is certainly there. Um, yeah. I think the first couple of games would be a bit of a clusterfuck as they figure it out and, you know, get their, their systems down. But I think it's a great idea. And I'll say when Oregon and Oregon state announced it, I said, yeah, that checks out. That's pac 12. That's right in line with what I would expect them to do. But LSU (laughs) coming out and saying it in the deep South where football is everything. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that was a really excellent to me. LSU is going to move the needle. If, if you get, uh, if you get LSU, if you get Alabama coming through with that, Florida coming, especially Florida being in that crazy ass state, mm-hmm. if you get some of these like deep football rich schools that implement these programs, I think it makes it easier for the rest of the college world to do the same. I wish Texas would. You do you know? think Texas will? It's kind of no. late. No, I don't think Texas will. I think it's too late. People Texas already- tweeted out today we're all in this together and we know you have a choice. And they're not uh, going to tweet that out a week and a half and then change. No, on they won't. Well, no. All right, moving on. Sonia Curry, Steph Curry's gorgeous mom, who everybody drools over on social media, (laughs) is single. Apparently, she's filed for divorce in June from her husband of 30-something years, and she's only 55, and she is stunning gorgeous, and everybody's drooling over her. So if you could pick one, I don't know, celebrity, we don't even know if they're single or not, but one celebrity that you would hook up if you could with with Sonia Curry, who would you hook her up with? Oh, matchmaking with her? Yes. Man, I don't know. I'm, I'm not up on celebrity gossip. I, I'm, I don't know what athlete or who, I don't know. Is Michael Jordan it's single? Oh, he's very married. What about who's single? This is a tough question, girl. I know. It requires us to be up to date on who is single and also who the fuck people are, which I am not. No, I'm just saying person. like, I'm just thinking like 
man, she's available and everybody's drooling over her. So I wonder like who we could match her up with. <laughs> so you could also think of it as who wants to be Steph Curry's set down? <laughs> I don't know. She's just so gorgeous. She could get anybody. All right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, okay. initially, <laughs> if, if you want to be Seth Curry's <laughs> stepdad, you can call in and we'll make that matchmaking happen. Or if you have, or if you have a great suggestion of who who you would hook up, let us know. All right, last one. We all saw the video on Twitter of the Pittsburgh fight. The guy who was getting screamed at in his face by this woman, and she's yelling and cussing at him. She puts his hands towards him, and he pushes her hand away, and then she slaps him in the face. And then her boyfriend starts to take a beat down and then she starts fighting and they both get beat up. Did y'all see that video? Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Who, do, who should get lions? Yes. Game. Like, should there be charges and what should happen? She's culpable for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she started the fight. I feel bad. Well, I don't agree that like she should have been hit at any point. Like there is a freaking line, man. You can't just like, throw hands to whoever you want and expect there to be zero consequences exactly. so yeah i think she's 100 culpable for starting it were there words going back and forth probably but we've all been in in shit talking altercations mm -hmm. she threw the first punch per se she engaged so yeah i think she's culpable for starting it all now will there be other fallout probably but i think there is a legitimate self-defense argument here and i think there's a legitimate argument to say that the man that ended up whooping everybody showed self-restraint. Yeah. Know? He's, so, he's agree, yeah. And he went to hit her and then he stopped. He's like, oh, wait, he's nope. like, oh, not going to hit a woman. Yeah. And yeah. then that dude got up and then they're all going at it. Yeah. Hannah? Agree. I think at the very least, she she definitely needs to get charged for it. She's the one that's most deserved. I don't know. It's almost kind of like charge her and then charge everybody else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think she gets the heavy charges and then maybe some yeah. misdemeanor charges go to the other two guys. In, in yeah, my, for sure. So I don't you know. know. The boyfriend, the boyfriend needs to find a new girl. Yeah. Because if she, if she's oh. getting your ass beat up at the game. Yeah. Go find, she needs to get tickets with some, go sit somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> He's fucking jail. <laughs> right? Oh, man. There it is. That was our rapid fire. We covered the world. Random. Jeopardy, Shikari, hookups, <laughs> bottom 10. We're hooking up Seth Curry's mom. You know, we, you get Curry, a little Seth bit Curry's of everything mom. on Fire the Cannon. You got to love it. All right. Good job, everybody. <laughs> well, hey, we appreciate y'all, as always, for listening. So excited for Texas football to come back. We'd love to hear your feedback on Twitter. As always, you can find us at Fire the Cannon One. You can find Rocky at Rocky Knows Best, Hannah at Halfro09, and me, Megan, at Texas Fancy Boots. So until next time, y'all, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And thanks for listening to Fire the Cannon.